37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal. I am Sean. I almost drowned a second ago drinking my water, and I'm just about done reading Stephen King's The Shining. And with me, as always, is Preston. Preston, buddy, how are you? What's up, all you cool ghosts and goblins, you crocodiles and crocodingos, you skeletors and skeletons, witchers and witches, and whatever the fuck else you want to be? I mean, I'm doing all right. Man, my kid is sick. I don't know if I'm starting to get sick. The wife had bronchitis the last couple of days. My kid had COVID last week. I taught my Damn. brother how to make a pin on the wood lathe, and he didn't fuck it up. So that was my birthday present, so to speak, from me to him. Hell yeah. Exciting times on your, uh, your lathe, right? Yeah. We're here to talk about when good toys go bad. It's Christmas time. We're leaving gifts under the trees for all the good little boys and good little girls. And it's time to talk about creepy-ass toys. So to kick things off in our venture into the good old toys gone bad topic, we're going to wet your whistle here with a couple short stories because, as it turns out, we had one gigantic episode planned. And in the 11th hour, we have a special guest who's going to join us next week to talk about the big old meat and taters at this topic. But um, we didn't want to leave you guys hanging because I know we promised talking about toys. So we're going to split this up into two parts. This is going to be the old appetizer. And the next week, we're going to have a nice long episode with a really fun friend of ours and a friend of the show. So look forward to that. But before we get into tonight's main stories, Preston, honey, why don't we dump some news on them? Okay, Yeti here found in the Himalayas is actually from a horse BBC series reveals DNA from a uh, supposed abdominal snowman actually came from a horse but that doesn't mean stories of the Yeti passed on by local people aren't important a search for the Yeti ended last month with a single strand of horse hair a BBC Radio 4 program covering the Himalayan hunt has revealed Andrew Benefield, the writer and meditation teacher, has spent years looking for the Yeti with his skeptical friend and political analyst, Richard Horsey. The pair traveled through... <laughs> in, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> what? That's yeah. Horsey huh. and horsehair. Huh. It's kind of on the snout, isn't it? Yeah. The pair traveled through India, uh, Myanmar, Nepal, and Bhutan, listening to stories about the legendary creature and eventually making Yeti a BBC Radio 4 series about their search. The series finished on a cliffhanger in June, a mysterious hair supplied by an unnamed source awaiting DNA analysis. A bonus episode published on October 20th has now revealed the hair has come from a horse. Benefield told Live Science the results didn't feel good. I bet they fucking didn't, but at least you guys aren't like, uh, you know, Rick Dyer and a fucking fake Bigfoot penis. After three years of searching, a horse hair was about as boring as we could get, Benefield said. But the DNA analysis doesn't invalidate the series or stories of people they spoke to, according to the pair. Tales of an ape-like creature roaming the Himalayas date back centuries. 
Western interest in the Yeti or the Indomitable Snowman took off in the early 1950s after British mountaineer Eric Shipton returned from Everest with photos of a giant footprint. Subsequent investigations led by the Westerners failed to find any scientific evidence to the creature's existence. Having worked in international development, Benefield didn't like the local accounts of the that Yetis were dismissed just because white explorers hadn't found one. He was also reassured by Sir David Anterboro, who interviewed in the 2013 film in which Anterboro said he thinks there might be something in the Adominable Snowman mystery. Anterboro doesn't take part in the new radio series. Benefield set out in 2019 to hear firsthand stories of Yeti and invited Horsey, who has a Ph.D. in cognitive psychology, to join him. If I could convince him, I knew I was on to something. The BBC became involved in 2022 just before the duo headed to Bataan and the Skaltag Wildlife Sanctuary, a 286-square-mile national park established in part to protect the Magwai or Yeti, according to the Daily Bhutan. Here, like Hor- Magwai, like the Gremlins? Yeah, yeah, that's that's where they fucking got it. God dang it. Pop, Hell yeah. Pop Works culture for me. movies. Here, Horsey mm-hmm. finally gets a story that shakes his skepticism, and Benefield acquires the purported Yeti hair. The hair was about six inches long. Benefield cut it in half and sent it sent pieces to Charlotte Lindquist, a evolutionary biologist at the University at Buffalo in New York. Lindquist and her team found the DNA matched Alti horses, a mountain breed from Asia. Lindquist also part of a 2017 study published in the Proceedings of the Royal Society that analyzed nine purported Yeti samples and found eight came from bears and one came from a dog. She has previously said that she has no doubt the creature is a myth. Fuck you with that bullshit, lady. (laughs) Benefield accepts the DNA results but still hasn't parted with the other half of the hair, which he told Life Science is currently in his cupboard. He also spoke of vast, untouched, unexplored nature of the Himalayas and said Yeti stories come from people who know the region. Yet, you certainly respect local people's knowledge when you're up there because they're keeping you alive. Who am I to question these people? They're out there every day. Horsey didn't think they'd come back with DNA evidence but told Live Science, the Yeti is more important to local people than he'd ever imagined. We realize it doesn't really matter to most of these people whether it physically exists. Horsey said it's the role that it plays in their world. Writer Tersheng Tashi detailed Bhutanese belief in the Yeti in a 2020 article for Kwanzai Online, the web edition of Bhutan's national newspaper. In it, he said that people in Bhutan are convinced the Yeti exists, but are in no hurry to prove evidence. While there certainly is a biological being behind the mythology, we believe that it will not be in the shape and form that Westerners have romanticized it to be. I think it's not even that much of a mystery. If you're saying it's horse hair, we're just dealing with a horse squatch, dude. I don't yeah. think it's even that big of a mystery. I'm totally cool with the abdominal bull snowman, as you call it. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you saw what Lazarus said. <laughs> yeah, we picture the abdominal uh, Yeti is just doing a bunch of uh, crunches, man. He's just got a ripped, like, 12-pack. Dude, my, anyway, my throat's I'm okay getting, with that. My if, throat's getting dry. 
It, it hurts when I cough. I could be dying. That's all I'm saying. If I can't pronounce a word right, I mean, that's not better uh-huh. than any other night that we're doing this. So. <laughs> very true. Very true. I'm okay with the Yeti just being a horse squatch dude. That's totally cool in my book. I'm okay with the being a, an adorable, you know, an adorable snowman. I'm okay with that. Whatever. Yeah. Well, speaking of other things that are hard to swallow, in Mount Kisco, New York, a customer has filed a lawsuit against a fast food casual chain called Chopped over a salad that she says contained a piece of the manager's finger. The lawsuit filed back on Monday by Allison Cozy of Greenwich, Connecticut, or Greenwich, alleges that she bought a salad at the Chopped location in Mount Kisco, New York, back on April 7th, that's also Jackie Chan's birthday, and realized while eating it, she started chewing on a portion of a human finger that had been mixed into that had been mixed into her salad. According to the lawsuit, a manager at the restaurant accidentally severed a piece of her left pointer finger while chopping the arugula. Now the manager went to the hospital, but the contaminated arugula was served to customers, including Cozy. Westchester County Health Department records show that Chopped was fined a measly $900. Cozy said in her lawsuit that she has suffered injuries including shock, panic attacks, migraines, cognitive impairment, nausea, dizziness, and neck and shoulder pain as well from the resulting of eating contaminated salad. She's seeking unspecified monetary damages. So it's unknown if she's going to win the lawsuit or not, but dude, what would you do? Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Unintentional cannibalism. So I worked in a deli many, many, many moons ago. Gosh, almost 20 years ago. And uh, we dealt with meat slicers and cheese slicers, you know, the ones that had the giant spinning blade. And they always told us, guys, don't clean the blade while the machine's running. But it's a lot easier to clean the blade that has, like, dried on, like, salami and cheddar cheese if you just wrapped a spatula with a paper towel, turned on the slicer, and you kind of just grind the stuff off carefully. Well, my friend Ashley was cutting, sorry, my friend Ashley was cleaning the slicer and she and I were talking about something, God knows what, and she turned her head to answer a question and she cut off the tip of her index finger, like the entire pad, like a la Men in Black style. Mm. I happened to glance over and see the whole thing. She looked over at her finger, turned instantly white. So I ran over, and I I had gloves on, by the way, uh, because I was cleaning stuff. I grabbed her index finger and squeezed as tight as I could, and I just yelled in her face, Ashley, what are you and your boyfriend watching on TV lately? And she's like, what? Like kind of dreamily. And I said, what are you guys watching on TV? Come on, let's take a walk. Why don't you talk to me? Because by now she's clearly in shock. So I squeezed her finger and walked her to the management office, and I said, hey, uh, Ashley just cut the tip of her finger off while cleaning the slicer. And she ended up having to go to the hospital, having it cauterized. Mm. <laughs> and I go back to the uh, scene of the crime. And wouldn't you know it, I found the tip of her finger pad. It was disgusting. So I uh, threw that away and then deep cleaned the slicer with much prejudice. And uh, we had to report it as a food hazard contamination and actually had to have somebody come out and professionally sanitize the machine the next day. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've seen that shit happen. It's not cool. And uh, the human index finger contains a lot of blood that splurts everywhere. Haunting mermaid mummy from Japan is a gruesome monkey fish hybrid with dragon claws, 
new scans reveal. That's right. Scientists have scanned the mummified remains of a supposed mermaid from Japan, and the initial <laughs> results suggest it is a horrifying mix of fish, monkey, and lizard parts. A mysterious, malevolent-looking mermaid mummy that was brought back to the U.S. for Japan more than 100 years ago appears to be a mix of a fish, monkey, and lizard parts that have been joined together like Frankenstein's monsters. The haunting mummy, which is around 11 and a half inches long, is known as the Fiji mermaid. The fuck it is, there can only be one, but whatever. Due to its similarities <laughs> with an object of the same name, supposedly acquired mm-hmm. from Fiji by controversial showman P.T. Barnum in the 1840s. That's right. You guys need to come up with a new fucking name, you idiots. Yeah. Anyways, the mummy was purchased in Japan by an American naval officer who donated it to the Clark County Historical Society in Springfield, Ohio, in 1906. Documents supplied to the society with the mummy suggest it dates back to the mid-1800s. Now, for the first time, mm-hmm. researchers have investigated the mermaid's identity by carrying out X-ray and CT scans to the disheveled remains. This allowed us to see the mummy in almost every dimension in hopes to see what was inside. Project leader Joseph Kreese, a radiographer at Northern Kentucky University, told Live Science, the initial investigation found the mummy, the mummy appears to be made from the head and torso of a monkey sewed on the decapitated <laughs> body of a fish, while the mermaid's hands are the clawed legs from a lizard, most likely a Komodo dragon. The wow. scans also revealed a pair of wooden stakes <clears throat> inside the remains, one running from the head to the tail and the other across the shoulder blades, which were presumably added to keep the creature intact. Researchers are currently trying to reconstruct a more detailed model of the mermaid and its individual parts from their scans. God. Once the models are complete, the team plans to send them to zoos and aquariums to help identify the components on a species level. This is not the only mummified mer- mermaid to have undergone intensive scans recently. In March of 2022, researcher analyze a similar specimen that was unearthed in a hidden box in a Japanese temple. Researchers initially ex- uh, expected that this mermaid, which was 12 inches long and dates back to the mid-1700s, was also a monkeyfish hybrid. But subsequent scans this February revealed that the mummy was predominantly made from cloth, paper, and cotton, painted with sand and charcoal held together by metal pins. Various animal parts, including mammal hair and fish skin, were stuck to the outside of the doll. Both mermaids most closely resemble Ninjio, a mythical fish-like creature with human heads. In Japanese mythology, a woman is fabled to have lived for 800 years after eating one of these fictional beasts, and so the creatures become a symbol of longevity and is therefore likely that the fish made the cryptid uh, connotations to sell them to wealthy people seeking to prolong prolong their lives. <laughs> Life science previously reported. Kind of like you know, ground up seahorse sex dust. You know, everything's about getting strong, long, and you know, bound to get the friction. Yeah, ding a ding a ding dong. Holy shit. So it just looks to me like old Rick Dyer's got tons of ancestors who've been pulling this shit for years, right? Yeah. Because, you know, we got fake Bigfoot. We got the people who just can't give up the monkey mermaid business. You got the uh, the 
the Yeti, who's now just a bunch of horse hair and God knows what else, it's kind of a bummer, dude. I kind of feel like, you know, I just met my childhood hero and found out they're giant douchebags. Like, everything I thought I knew was a lie. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Good on them for trying to keep the tradition going, I guess. <laughs> Do you remember back when the History Channel, I think it was, had that mermaid mockumentary and they didn't actually preface it with a disclaimer? So people tuned in and watched this thing thinking they were watching a legitimate documentary about mermaids. Yes, I, I watched that, mm. and I was like, holy fucking shit, these things are fucking real. Mm-hmm. This is so fucking crazy. And then I come mm-hmm. to find out that um, I was I was an idiot, and I was duped. And you were duped, like the rest of us. I was just like, fuck what you the guys, fuck, man. Fuck you guys, you fucking piece of shit. Ugh. Well, let's shift gears here. Let's get on to good toys gone bad, shall we? Tonight's first story. Has us kicking things off with nothing else but a haunted Toys R Us. That's right, folks. As we jump into the old paranormal, what do we drive? A Cadillac? Is that what you said? As we jump into the old paranormal Cadillac and cruise on down the paranormal highway, we're going to end up in sunny Vale, California, where we find the remnants of what used to be one of the greatest toy stores there is, or at least there was, because, you know, Toys R Us pretty much all shut down. This Toys R Us in particular was originally opened in 1970 as part of the Toys R Us U.S. expansion off into the Great West. That's right, California. Yeah. Man, do you remember Toys R Us? Fuck, those things were awesome. Too bad uh, those, those didn't last. Man, they used to have, like, the, <laughs> they used to have the best, uh, the Seth MacFarlane, uh, the, you know, the Spawn figurines like that were like all articulate oh yeah uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. that were like i don't know like 50 fucking bucks a figurine that my parents were like i'm not gonna spend <laughs> some goddamn 60 dollar right. on a fucking doll it's not a doll dad it's a figurine what's the difference between a figurine and a figure uh i don't i don't know probably this... you play with a figure and you put a figurine on the wall maybe on a shelf Ex- exactly Okay. I like that. Fair enough. Okay, yeah. Dude, that's funny. I remember buying like a 20-some-odd-dollar zombie cowboy spawn from Walmart once, and I was super stoked to get it home and play with it, but I knew I'd made a mistake instantly because it's one of those toys where, like, you'd buy it and realize that, like, you know, someone taped it shut, like they returned it because it was broken, and basically I bought a fucking broken spawn toy, and, like, the leg was broke off at the knee. And uh, I just had to have it, took it home, played with it for about an hour. And I was just like, yeah, this thing sucks. It gets broken. So I took it back, too. And they probably just taped it back up and put it back on the shelf. (sighs) Anyway, Mm -hmm. almost as soon as the doors opened, the employees of the Sunnyvale, California Toys R Us started reporting strange occurrences. They said toys would fly off the shelves all by themselves. People would feel phantom touches on their backs and their shoulders, only to turn around to be greeted with nothing but thin air. Then as things progressed, people started complaining that in the bathrooms, faucets began turning themselves on and off all by themselves, long before all these damn automatic sinks and toilets. And some employees even claimed to hear disembodied voices calling their names when they were all alone in the store. Well, the store itself became legendary among paranormal investigators back in the 1970s, and it would even go on to play host to several seances by world-renowned psychic 
Sylvia Brown. And one of those seances was even shown on a popular TV program called That's Incredible, launching the store further into international fame. Brown told the story of a so-called Toys R Us ghost. According to Brown, she was able to make contact with the ghost living inside this Toys R Us in Sunnyvale, California, who ended up being the spirit of a laborer from the Murphy farm that once stood in the spot of the new store. As he walked down the hall towards me, she said, he kept muttering, Have mercy on me, Beth, have mercy on me. Sylvia claimed that she learned the ghost's name, and it turned out to be Johnny Johnson, a traveling preacher from Sweden, who sometimes worked on the Murphy farm in exchange for room and board. While working there in the 1880s, he fell in love with the Murphy's daughter named Elizabeth. But his love wasn't reciprocated, and Elizabeth ran away with a lawyer from the East Coast, leaving poor old Johnny sad and brokenhearted. And then as these things do, one day, while chopping wood on the farm, Johnny's axe slipped and gouged him deep into his leg. He slowly bled out to death, and his unsettled spirit roamed the property ever since. Now, Brown would go on to repeatedly visit the haunted Toys R Us to further communicate with the ghost of Johnson, whom she went on to call the most stubborn and ornery, argumentative ghost that I've ever met. And in her book, The Other Side and Back, A Psychic's Guide to Our World and Beyond, she said, I've tried many, many times to explain to him that his lifetime as Johnny Johnson has come to an end. He finally got so tired of me nagging at him about it, he gave me an ultimatum. He said, if you tell me that I'm dead one more time, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. So Brown let the matter drop, and she and the ghost supposedly went on to have a quasi-friendship in which they just found other things to talk about, including the annoying and noisy kids that frequented the new store. Now, when Sunnyvale's Toys R Us closed back in 2018, it didn't just take the baby strollers and the action figures and coloring books with it. It actually ended a chapter in one of the Bay Area's most well-known and enduring ghost stories. But oddly enough nowadays, the shell of what was once the greatest toy story there was is now the home of one of the greatest camping and outdoor suppliers that there is. That's right, Preston. Now the building is home to a brand new REI, Outdoor Supplier. Oh. Now I googled and couldn't find any modern stories of a haunted REI in Sunnyvale, California, so I'm going to kind of dig up a little more and see if I can find anything. But I kind of poked around yesterday and this morning and couldn't find any follow-up, so who knows. But that's okay. We don't have to talk about haunted REIs because the next part of our episode, we're going to focus on another haunted toy. So why don't we jump into the story of the most infamous haunted doll known to pop culture as we talk about the classic story of the infamous Annabelle. So according to the world-famous and oftentimes debunked and rebuked demonologist, the Warrens, the story of Annabelle begins with a 28-year-old nursing student named Donna, or possibly Deidre, depending on what story you're reading, but anyway, she was given the doll as a birthday gift from her mother back in 1971. Any hoozle, Donna 
also shared her apartment at the time with another fellow student named Angie. Now, Donna was super excited about receiving this doll, who was actually just a Raggedy Ann doll, instead of the creepy-ass porcelain skin doll that we all know and love, because, you know, Hollywood just has to ham it up. But, Presto, you got the picture there. Her original form, the one that haunted Miss Donna and Miss Angie, is nothing more than your typical Raggedy Ann. In fact, maybe Raggedy Ann that was found in a haunted Toys R Us. Ooh. Yeah, but the doll featured in the Conjuring series and the Annabelle movies actually looks nothing like the real thing. See, in the movies, Annabelle is this vintage porcelain doll, while the real one is a simple, lame old Raggedy Ann doll. And it's obvious that the physical appearance of the movie version of Annabelle isn't inspired at all by the real-life counterpart, the explanation for this is simple, though, presto. An ordinary Raggedy Ann doll doesn't convey the sense of horror that's expected from an R-rated horror movie. Since it looks just like a harmless child's plaything, it's difficult to imagine this thing running around doing demonic entity-type stuff. So they had to ham it up a little bit. The movie's depiction of the doll, however, is a whole different story altogether. The eyes and the face give a much-needed creepy feel, which is something that Annabelle had to have in order to make audiences believe it could get up and actually haunt and even come to life and possibly kill somebody. Well, anyway, supposedly the first Annabelle was a good little girl who sat in her chair and just stared off into space with a silly little grin. But then shortly after the doll was welcomed to the nursing student's home, they said the doll began to behave strangely. And they soon noted that it seemed like Raggedy Annabelle was moving around her room all on her own accord. Oftentimes being found sitting in new positions or even in new areas of the room altogether that she hadn't previously been left. Then things really come to a terrifying head when Donna said that she would sit Annabelle in the living room on the sofa before leaving for work, only to come home oftentimes in the afternoon to find the doll moved into her bedroom with the damn door shut. And Donna knew she had left the bedroom door open oftentimes when she left for work. Well, anyway, Donna and Angie started finding notes that had apparently been left throughout the apartment that would read things like, Help me. And according to both the women, the notes, even more strangely, were written on parchment paper, which they didn't have any of in their apartment. Then things really heat up one afternoon when Donna's boyfriend, Lou, was at the girls' apartment all by himself, and he decided to take a little afternoon nap, only to be woken up abruptly by the sounds of somebody rummaging through Donna's bedroom. Now, thinking that somebody had broken into the apartment while he was snoozing, Lou snuck over to the bedroom, which again had the door securely shut, and as soon as he busted into the bedroom, he found the room was empty. Except for Annabelle, of course, who was laying face down on the floor. So Lou stood there dumbfounded, taking a mental inventory of his girlfriend's bedroom, trying to notice if anything was out of place. And then suddenly, he felt the red-hot sensation of the skin of his chest being ripped open. And when he lifted up his shirt, he said that he found three bloody claw marks running across his chest. So after Lou's terrifying experience, 
the women invited a medium over to hold a seance. And the psychic they invited over discovered the doll was in fact inhabited by the spirit of a deceased seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins, whose body coincidentally was said to have been found earlier on the site where their apartment building had been built. And the deceased girl's spirit was ironically benevolent and just wanted someone to love and care for her, not the killer spirit that we saw in the movies. And thus, the two young nurses reportedly started feeling bad for the girl's spirit, and they ended up consenting to allow her to take up permanent residence in their house. But wouldn't you know it, buddy, that ended up being a bad idea, and the dolls started getting even creepier, started acting malicious, and the girls decided they better bust this ghost, and our heroes of the piece, Ed and Lorraine Warren, enter the picture. And they believed that there was enough signs to deem Raggedy Ann, or Raggedy Annabelle, as a demonically possessed object. Raggedy ass. Because a doll was moving. <laughs> they, <thought, laughs> they thought so because a doll was moving all around on its own throughout the apartment, seemingly materializing in places where it shouldn't be, even materializing pieces of parchment paper all on its own. And it even demonstrated the mark of the beast represented by the three scratches that appeared across the chest of old poor Luz as he had been rudely awakened from his nappy nap. So the Warrens ordered an exorcist of the apartment to be performed by Father Cook, and then they took Annabelle out of the apartment, but the dastardly demonic doll wasn't done yet. Because just a few short minutes after the Warrens took possession of her, the Warrens reportedly buckled Annabelle into the back seat of their car, even vowing not to take any main highways back to their house just in case she had some kind of tomfuckery planned for the fearless demon hunting duo. Which is a smart thing, because apparently their hunch was correct. And on their way home, Lorraine claimed that out of nowhere the brakes on their cars seemed to either stall or possibly even fail several times on their drive back, resulting in several near disastrous car wrecks. But because old Big Daddy Ed don't play no games, at one point he finally, being tired of her trifling bullshit, pulled over the car, milled around in the back of his bag parked on the back road they were traveling, and decided to pull out the holy water from his bag of tricks, and he doused Annabelle with the blessed water, and just like that, they said, the problem with the brakes suddenly ceased. But even after they got home, the tricks didn't stop. Ed and Lorraine initially put the doll in Ed's study, but they claimed that they continuously found the doll appearing in other rooms throughout their house. They went on and locked Annabelle up in an office that was in an outer building away from their main house. But the Warrens claimed that she'd still mysteriously turn up back inside the house. So to put a stop to all her hijinks, they threw her into a final resting place, locked away, sitting comfortably, sealed in a glass case that features a hand-carved inscription of the Lord's Prayer and a sign hanging below that reads, Warning, positively do not open, in the hopes that her demonic reign would finally come to an end. But did it? 
Well, even though she's locked away in a glass case, unable to be touched by any other human being, apparently a priest who was visiting the Warren's Museum of the Occult picked up Annabelle one day and claimed that he didn't believe in her demonic abilities at all. And then later that night, on his way home, the priest was involved in a near-fatal car crash totaling his brand new vehicle. Then, some years later, another visitor, ignoring the warning sign on her glass case, knocked on the glass and laughed out loud about how stupid the doll was and how people were even dumber for believing that she had some kind of demonic powers. And then on his way home, he reportedly lost control of his motorcycle, crashing headlong into a tree, killing him instantly, his girlfriend just barely surviving. That's where the story ends of Annabelle Preston, and that's where Hollywood digs their dirty little fingers in. So if you're not a big movie buff, or you're like me and the movies just didn't really get your goose, have no fear, because we'll quickly break down the differences of the films via a summary from ScreenRant.com and the article they wrote on the series. Preston, have you watched the movies? Um, yeah. My kid likes all that shit, so I've had to buy all of them for her. Yeah. They're on my voodoo. Sure, sure. Know. Daddy-daughter movie night. I might have fallen asleep through some of them. <laughs> That's all right, man. I've come to terms that those movies aren't really meant for you and me. You know, that core audience is going to be somebody more like, you know, your son and daughter that age. You're like, you know, I bought the Nun, the nun 2 on Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. turned it on, and, like, within 15 minutes, she's like, I'm going to go upstairs. And I'm like, fine, fuck it. See if I ever do anything nice again on Thanksgiving. Don't spend time with me. Dude, that's funny because I actually really like the Nun series. Um, Shayla had been on me for years to watch The Nun, and I just kind of gave up on all those conjuring and insidious movies. And then we finally watched The Nun one night, and hot shit, man, that movie was pretty good. I really liked it. Have you watched the second one yet? I have, and without ruining anything for anybody, I still enjoyed it. I didn't care for it as much as the first one, and I can tell you why, uh, you know, off camera. Okay. It's worth a watch. Um, we saw it in theaters. I really enjoyed myself. Shayla really had a good time, too. But I can definitely see why people wouldn't really just be in love with that movie either. The Pope's so. Exorcist? I take it you didn't care for nah, it, too. I didn't really care for it, although. Pope's yeah, Exorcist pretty was pretty good. solid, man. So Annabelle, the series, begins with the first movie in the franchise, The Conjuring, focusing on Ed and Lorraine Warren investigating a paranormal case. And this comes right off the heels of the Warren's investigation of the Annabelle doll, which is featured in the first movie. Now, because this doll was just so fucking creepy and because they've planned out four billion of these movies already before the first one even hits the screen, this doll would go on to captivate audiences and receive its own spin-off movie. And then a year later, it's followed by two sequels, Annabelle Creation and most recently Annabelle Comes Home back in 2019. Well, the overarching plot of all three Annabelle movies, of course, are fictionalized, but they do contain a few nods to the Warren's account of what actually happened. See, in Annabelle, which takes place in 1967, a few years before the actual story, they're able to give the doll a new backstory. Annabelle Higgins is a member of a demon-worshipping cult who dies while holding the doll. Higgins apparently summons a demon that took hold of the doll and the lifelike real doll of Annabelle obtains the souls of other living beings. And after it gets what it wants, it suddenly disappears. 
At the end of the movie, Annabelle is purchased at an antique shop as a gift for a student nurse. This all then lines up with the actual story. Annabelle creation then goes back even further and reveals that the Annabelle dolls, or origin story, actually didn't begin with Annabelle Higgins. It was made by a doll maker whose daughter was hit by a car. The doll maker and his wife were contacted by the girl's spirit who asked if she could live inside the doll. They eventually realized that they had been deceived by a demonic force and not their daughter's soul at all. Lazarus uh, says, fuck that doll. Bogus. Robert the doll is the real original gangster. (laughs) OGD, old uh, original gangster doll. (laughs) This, like the plot of Annabelle, was fictionalized, but it does resemble the story of the medium that was told to Donna. The spirits wish to live in the doll and eventually take someone's soul were parts of the Warrens' account of the actual event, except it was Donna and her friends who were contacted and not the child's parents. Anyway, the third movie in the trilogy, Annabelle Comes Home, shows what happened after Ed and Lorraine took the doll from the nursing student and her friends. And of course, it depicts that on their way home, they encounter car trouble and have a stop right outside the cemetery type of event. And this is where ghosts who are attracted by the doll go on to attack Ed. And this is a dramatization of the real life Warren's trip back home, obtaining Annabelle. So while the plot of the movies aren't based on the true stories, some of the basic concepts are still peppered in there for good flavor. Like Annabelle's desire for human souls, which supposedly is reportedly true if you ask the Warrens. Anyway, for some reason, this doll's captivated everybody who loves the Conjuring movies. And as Hollywood does, they took a simple story and they just kind of morphed it into what they wanted. But anyway, that's a short, sweet story of Annabelle the Doll. And Lazarus, um, years ago, gosh, man, three, four years ago, we talked about Robert the Doll and the connections to the, um, you know, slight influence it had over Child's Play and the Chucky Doll. Yes, Lazarus, I want, I want you to make me a possessed doll. Hmm. No, Lazarus, I don't want you to make me a possessed doll. <laughs> I, I, I have a shed in the back property that I can store it in that if freaky shit happens, I don't really care. <laughs> right. You know? It's like a little little guard demon. Yeah. You know? Little guard demon. Yeah, just That's keep it. it away from the lathe and the uh, clay pot throwing wheel yeah. and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, put it out in the bat garden. <laughs> we yes. can make it make our own little glass case to put it inside of like Demas, that freaky ass starfish doll that we encountered at the Museum of Shadows. I, I would want to know the I want I would want to know uh I would want to know. Uh, I would want to know what the, the <laughs> you know, like science wise, like I'm not going to abuse it. I'm not going to neglect it. But you know, depending on when you say possess, we don't know how that possession is going to go. Is this going to be a good possession? Is this going to be a bad possession? How are you going to go about this possession? And uh, what what type of demon am I getting? So if I have it in my, you know, he shed in the Jesus, back of the property. <laughs> my he yeah. shed. God. My he shed. Uh, is that far enough away that I don't have? Yeah, possession is nine tenths of the law. That's what I need to know. <laughs> you're right. I don't but know dude, why I asked. Your but... he shed is where your lathe and everything else, you know, powered by two twenty is at. So I don't know if you want to have, you know, whatever this Ade Dewey Dimbella. 
thing's gonna be. You know, I'm not sure you want that no, shit. No, 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 no. That's that's the garage that I have all the power tools in. Oh, uh, so your he sheds where you keep like your rake and your <laughs> your push broom. No, I I I have shelving. I you uh-huh. know I got uh, I got uh, some uh, workbenches out there that mm. I occasionally do stuff on. Okay. Uh, Sounds you, know, cozy. you know, it's got a nice little flat. It's got a nice little flower garden to the side. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So um, I got to do something with it. I mean, <sighs> I mean, I think like, look, I have to have an excuse on why I have to go out at ten o'clock at night to go to the to the he shed. Jesus. I got to check up on the possessed doll. I got to uh-huh. go have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think this might be a good idea. That's all I'm saying. I just and I just want to know, you know, logistically. How far away of the house can it be that I don't have to get in trouble with the missus? Because if I put the possessed doll in the mm-hmm. house and shit starts going awry, I'm going to get my ass handed to me. That's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how that shit works. I mean, if I have it far enough away that I can interact and give it a loving, nurturing environment, that's all I want. Yeah. I think that's the answer to your question is very easy. You have to go ask your wife that. You can't ask me. You can't ask Lazarus. Hey, buddy, what's the, uh, you know... <laughs> What's the policy here? Does it have to be 100 feet away? Is there some kind of, you know, like personal protection order on this stupid thing? Also, to follow that up, um, you've watched Evil Dead, right? You've read The Shining. I don't think it matters how far away from this thing you're going to be. Like, you go into the haunted shed, you're going to get, you know, killed by some kind of sickle or a hoe. Or you're going to get possessed, you're going to start running around your house with a fucking croquet mallet because, you know, the doll's talking to you. I could always use a drinking buddy. Yeah, I think you need to put a PFA against this thing and then maybe, maybe bury it. Not to disrespect Lazarus's hard work by any means, you know, from one artist to another, but holy shit, man. I, Lazarus, I need all the luck I can get. So I say let's roll the dice. You make it, I'll take it, we'll see what happens. If I die, I won't hold it against you. Hmm. All right, buddy, that's all I got for this episode. Join us next time, though, on a special night. We do have to do our live stream next Friday night because our guest couldn't be on with us any other night because uh, they have a family and we don't want to interrupt their family time. But we got a really fun show planned. We're super stoked. Um, The guest we have coming on is going to fit right in with the subject matter. So please join us next time. Um, If you're watching this, I should have the audio posted most likely by Saturday morning. Uh, if you want to listen to it again, but you know you're already here, so why uh, why why would you listen twice? I don't know. Preston, what do you got for us, buddy? So we were at 294, then we went down to 293, and now we're back on 294 on YouTube. So gang, gang. You know, somebody get, somebody got out of YouTube jail. Fucking conspiracy <laughs> theorists, flat earther. I Stop like how you assume shit. they just get kicked off of YouTube and like we didn't just lose viewers. Yeah. That and couldn't be it. <laughs> so look, here's the thing. Yeah. If you look at the bottom of the screen, there's a little little green blurb that says like, subscribe. So do that. Like, subscribe, share with all your friends. I mean, the end of the year is approaching. 294 that's six more subscribers, 300. I think that's a new that's like a good way to bring in the new year. 300 if you're watching on rumble i know because i see all the views that we get we get like 300 views yeah fucking like and subscribe (laughs) i know dang it just a bunch of dirty voyeurs so what is 
Yeah, what is so hard about that? Yeah, creepers just peeping in and not liking yep. and subscribing like a little peeping Tom through the window. Yeah, like and subscribe. That's all I'm saying. We probably and have to talk Twitch, more about Adrenochrome I, for the people like to you know like and subscribe yeah. to us on there. <laughs> Look, I don't know what the fuck's going on with Twitch. I got it set up. It says we're live, but mm-hmm. then it's uh, then it says like offline. Mm. I don't know. I'm I'm not. I'm I'm not a streaming expert. Fuck it. We'll figure it out. So if you can hear the audio on Twitch, thanks. That's all that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> and Kick, we're up to 5. So if you're following us on Kick, thank you. Maybe one day that'll be a bigger platform. I don't know, but we're there. Yeah. It's supposed to be, Anyways. dude. We're kind of on there at the ground floor because uh it sounds yes. like a lot of folks are leaving right. Twitch and they're moving over to Kick because Twitch, it's got to be exhausting, dude. We can barely keep up with like two to three people commenting throughout a show. I can imagine all these streamers and stuff who they they, they sign in and like 40,000 people just hit it. And it's brrr, all these comments, dude. That's why, that's why I like Restream because mm-hmm. Restream, I can have it up on a side window and I can see all the comments mm-hmm. from all the different mm-hmm. platforms. Mm-hmm. Maybe I say something. Maybe I don't. I don't know. It's like <laughs> toss of the dice. Right. Okay. Let's t- let's talk about health for a second, okay? <laughs> sure. All you all you Bigfoot enthusiasts out there and fans of the supernatural, <laughs> we have a special announce- announcement just for you. Introducing my Daily Naturals, the ultimate solution to cleanse your gut and keep your body in balance. Picture this: Bigfoot roaming through the forest, searching for the perfect vitamins to support his legendary physique. We'll look no further, my furry friends. My don't take that the wrong way either. But my <laughs> daily naturals has got you covered with the power of ozone and essential minerals. Your gut will be cleansed and your cellular function will be optimized like never before. But that's not all. No, no, no. We know that a healthy gut needs the right stuff, so my daily natural helps you repopulate your gut flora with a perfect blend of natural elements. Say goodbye to digestive woes and say hello to easy digestion. Nature is normal, just like Bigfoot himself. And that's why My Daily Naturals is dedicated to provide you with the finest, most natural ingredients to support your body's balance. It's like a forest feast for your gut. And here's the best part. By using promo code PXLPARA at checkout, you'll not only be taking care of your own health, but you'll also be supporting your favorite show. It's a win-win situation folks so whether you're watching us on facebook youtube or any of the other crap that we stream on check the comments below for the link to mydailynaturals.com keeping bigfoot and your gut healthy one vitamin at a time and need a beard want a beard want to grow the best damn beard possible well attention all bearded warriors and facial hair enthusiasts We have something that will revolutionize your grooming routine. Introducing Big Dobbs Beard Balm 2.0, the ultimate solution to tame your unruly mane, and say goodbye to that crusty monkey mummy mermaid beard. That's right. You're out in the wild, conquering mountains, slaying dragons. Well, I mean, that's us on a Sunday, but whatever. Your beard is looking more like a, 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 a fangled mess of fake Yeti hair. Fear not, my friends. Big Dobbs Beard Bomb 2.0 is here to save 
the day. Say goodbye to those fake little T-Rex arms trying to tame your beard. With Big Dobbs, you'll have the power to combat the crusty beard and unleash the true potential of your facial hair. We know you don't want to be mistaken for a crusty monkey mummy mermaid. Say that five <laughs> times fast. So why settle for anything less than the best? Big Dobbs Beard Balm 2.0 is specially formulated to nourish and moisturize your beard, leaving it soft, shiny, and irresistibly touchable. And here's the best part. Using promo code PXLPARA at checkout, you'll unlock exclusive discounts and ensure that your beard game is on point. Trust us, folks. This is the deal that you don't want to miss. So whether you're a bearded warrior, a lumberjack, or just a guy who loves facial hair, Big Dobbs Beard Bomb 2.0 is your secret weapon. It's time to unleash the beast within and rock that majestical beard with confidence. Don't settle for fake Yeti hair or crusty monkey mummy mermaid beards. Get your hands on Big Big Dobbs Beard Bomb 2.0 today and experience the beard revolution. Man, God save the queen. Holy cow. Yeah. And if you're in the Wichita area, stop by, see our dear, dear friend Leslie and the rest of the gang over at CD Trade Post, Pawnee and Seneca. If you're in the mood for something delicious and tasty, stop by either the Paranormal Egg Experience Food Truck or Paranormal.Cafe as well. And I just want to quickly give a shout out here, speaking of uh, YouTube and streaming, we need to say hello, hi, and how are you to Melody. She just commented on the Thanksgiving special and said, You guys crack me up. Thank you for all your hard work and time. I know I appreciate it. It's gotten me through a whole lot of dishes over the years. I'm sometimes late. And Lazarus, I'll always be your hype man. You just let me know <laughs> what you want me to hype up. There you go. I'm sometimes late, but life happens and I still catch up. So awesome, Melody, thank you so much. We really appreciate your support through all these long, long years. And everybody else, too. If you're on the old social medias, please check us out on Instagram. We are PXL Paranormal. On Facebook, we are The Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. And, uh, yeah, Preston, we did it backwards. You already covered all the streaming, so groovy. Until next time, folks, I'm going to lift up this glass of uh, water that I almost drowned while I was drinking earlier and say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us who love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.